Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks and this is The Leader. The Qatar World Cup 2022 is underway, with England kicking off their tournament with a 6-2 win against Iran. Just hours before the match though, there was yet more controversy surrounding the event, this time around armbands. Last minute talks with FIFA led to the FA announcing that Captain Harry Kane would not wear a Rainbow Love Heart logo on his armband as planned, which was designed to represent the team's solidarity with the LGBTQ community. It's as FIFA warned any breach of its rules around what players can or cannot wear could lead to those players being given an instant yellow card which the FA said it could not risk. It's another example of the many controversies surrounding this year's event, making it tough for fans around the world to fully get behind it. Joining me now is the Evening Standard's senior news correspondent, Anthony France, who is in Qatar for the World Cup. So, Anthony, first of all, what is the atmosphere like? Does it feel like a normal World Cup? Well, this is uh, like a World Cup like no other. The atmosphere is building very slowly, Obviously, there have been months of disagreements and controversy. But now that the football has first started outside, you know, they're very much geared up for the game. And, um, you know, very much looking forward to seeing what the team can do. Can you sort of describe what the infrastructure there is like? Well, I mean, it's uh, very glamorous and very big. There are seven stadiums that have gone up, full, you know, state of the art. I think the Qataris spent something like £200 billion Everything is gleaming. Everything is clean. You know, the I mean, it's certainly second to none. And um, and I think, judging by what we've seen so far, the Qataris are determined that they are going to put on the biggest sporting event in the world. And have you spoken to fans there about all the controversy around the event? Amongst England fans, there's a lot of confusion because back at home, um, it's very, if you know, if there's something that you believe in, you know, you're pretty much free to say what you do and protest. Over here, it's very different. So, yeah, I, I think people, not angry, but they're just a little bit confused because things that we, I suppose, take for granted are just not possible here in Qatar. Obviously, the latest controversy is around teams, including England, now choosing not to wear the One Love armbands. How have fans reacted to that? Obviously, fans from the UK cannot see a problem with uh, promoting diversity or promoting inclusion. So really, for them, there's a lot of confusion because, you know, if there's something that you truly believe in, uh, you should be um, able to stand up for it. 
and obviously Harry Kane wanted to wear the band and um, and he hasn't been allowed to uh, for fear of being booked by FIFA. So amongst the fans here, there is there is a lot of confusion as to why Harry Kane, for example, or the other um, captains cannot take part in a very simple display of diversity and inclusion. Before today's announcement about the One Love armbands, I spoke with Robbie DeSantos, Director of Communications and External Affairs at Stonewall, the organisation behind the Premier League's Rainbow Laces campaign. Robbie, the World Cup is coming up and it's a bit of a bittersweet situation because of the circumstances around the World Cup itself, where it's based and the beliefs in the country. How tricky is it for Stonewall and people in the LGBTQ plus community to celebrate the World Cup this year? I think certainly celebrating the World Cup is hard for our community this year. I mean, I think the first thing to say is that lots of LGBTQ plus people love football. We we follow it kind of year in, year out and support teams, support the national teams. And, and football is a way that we all get to kind of come together as part of a wider national, local, global communities. And I think it's I don't think there's going to be many LGBTQ plus people who are going to be engaging with the World Cup this year with that same kind of pure joy and excitement that that comes with football usually. I think it's just really, really hard to fully get behind and fully get into a tournament that is taking place in a country where it is illegal to be LGBTQ plus and where our siblings are persecuted kind of day in, day out for being who we are and, and trying to live our lives. So I think no one's really going to be kind of fully getting into the spirit of the games this year. And it's been a conversation in the lead up to the World Cup for a long time now. MP James Cleverly he sort of advised people from the LGBTQ plus community to sort of flex and compromise at the World Cup. What did you make of those comments? So I think those comments were clumsy and and it was very clear, I think almost immediately afterwards, number 10 issued a a, a kind of correction or build on those comments and, and kind of distancing themselves from them. I think with all of this, it's really easy to get kind of focused on the experiences of LGBTQ plus fans kind of going to the tournament. And we're obviously very concerned about those, but I think it all kind of distracts from that kind of bigger picture of what is it like to be LGBTQ plus in Qatar day in, day out. And that, and that for me is the real issue. And, and, and I think one of the things that I'm, I guess, somewhat grateful for is that this, this whole kind of tournament has shone a light on what it is like to be LGBTQ plus in Qatar, but in 70 other countries where it's still illegal to, to be yourself and to, to live your relationships authentically. And, and I think... That's just the important thing that we all have to remember when we're discussing this. Uh, One of the suggestions has been that teams refuse to play in the World Cup, refuse to take part in countries where these sort of views exist. Does Stonewall sort of support that idea or do you think it's actually more powerful to go to the to the events, take part and, and raise awareness of issues that are actually there? So, I mean, what we're talking about here is do you boycott or do you kind of engage? And, and I think there's, there's space for everything. But for us at Stonewall, we think the progress can be made by showing up by having public conversations, by having private conversations and kind of, I guess, setting an example of what good inclusion looks like, what, what, what we value in society. And I think that's why 
you know, I think it's absolutely right for the England team and the Welsh team to go there and to show up and to take part. And as they are doing, to make that statement and make that statement in a way that's respectful. It's not adversarial. It's just saying this is what we stand for and we want to send that message to the world. Let's take a break now. In part two, we turn our attention to the human rights concerns around the World Cup with Rothna Begum, a senior researcher at Human Rights Watch. So what we found was that employers and recruiters were charging them illegal recruitment fees, overworking and denying them their wages, and subjecting them to grueling working conditions in extreme heat and humidity that left them exposed to injuries, sickness and death. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Now, as we shift our focus to the human rights concerns around the Qatar World Cup, I'm joined by Rosna Begum, Senior Researcher at Human Rights Watch. So, Rosna, there's been so much discussion about the human rights issues, particularly around those who built the stadiums there. First of all, can you just give us an idea about what we know about those people and how they've been treated? When Qatar was awarded the World Cup back in 2010, FIFA awarded it without doing any due diligence in determining what the conditions were going to be for millions of migrant workers that were going to be needed to build the infrastructure for the World Cup. And since then, in the past 12 years, Qatar has recruited millions of migrant workers, but many of them have faced abuse and exploitation at the hands of employers and recruiters. And that's because the authorities have failed to ensure adequate labor law protections for them, but also because they had what's known as the kafala system. This is a sponsorship immigration system in which workers essentially were tied to their employers for their legal status, and they couldn't leave them at any time, which meant that employers could abuse them at will. So what we found was that employers and recruiters were charging them illegal recruitment fees, overworking and denying them their wages, and subjecting them to grueling working conditions in extreme heat and humidity that left them exposed to injuries, sickness and death. Now, hundreds of thousands of these workers who are male laborers were actually living in these labor camps in in squalid conditions. And there were also migrant women. They would be in separate accommodations, but they also faced curfews and confinement. And I understand that 
you're calling on FIFA to compensate the families of those who did die during the building process, not just of the stadiums, as you mentioned, but, you know, the whole infrastructure. Have you had any conversations with the footballing body at all? We have been speaking to FIFA, advocating with FIFA, writing to FIFA about uh, committing to a call on compensation for migrant workers and their families. FIFA is set to make billions in revenue from this World Cup. So the money is there, that's for sure. The problem is that we have migrant workers who paid to work in Qatar and whose free labor sometimes helped build much of the infrastructure that we see today. Those workers are owed their wages. Those who died in uninvestigated circumstances, their families are owed compensation to at least alleviate them from the financial distress that they're currently going through. FIFA has yet to come through on committing to a remedy call. At the same time, the Qatari authorities are batting away this campaign for compensation as a publicity stunt and calling critics racist for doing so. Now, that is absolutely atrocious when the authorities themselves are implementing a racialized labor structure. That means the vast majority of those who faced abuses came from South Asia and Africa. And these workers continue to suffer today because of the fact that they went to Qatar and wanted to realize their dream of bettering their lives and their families. All they wanted was to make sure their kids could go to school. And now we have families telling us that they, they're not sure they can send their children to school. They're not sure how they can put food on the table because their loved ones died and they were not compensated when that happened. And we've seen criticisms of the likes of Gary Neville, for example, for going to the event to work. He said, you know, he can raise issues in the country while working out there, while commentating. What is the right thing to do? Anyone who is going to Qatar should really be making as much cause as possible on FIFA and on the Qatari authorities to compensate for the abuses that, that have happened. The authorities have made some reforms and they're very crucial reforms, but they just came too late. They, most of the major reforms happened in 2020. And even when they came, they were not very well implemented. So the vast majority of workers who did face abuse were not able to benefit from those reforms. So what we're saying is those things have happened. We can't go back now. Workers have died. Workers have faced wage theft. But what you can do is at least alleviate the distress that families are facing because their loved ones died, as well as to ensure that workers are not suffering out there because they essentially had their wages stolen from them. There's a huge amount of money at play here. We've got billions of revenue for FIFA. The Qatari authorities are making money, but so have all these employers and recruiters and tons of people coming in. We've got footballers and broadcasters. They're all making money out of this World Cup. But who's not making money are those low paid workers whose wages were stolen and they were forced to build and service this World Cup infrastructure for free. Can you see a situation in future where countries, football clubs simply refuse to take part in events that have been put together under these circumstances? Football teams are in a, in a really awful position. Footballers and in particular who are workers themselves are in a terribly awkward position. This is the game of their lives or the game of their careers and they're not really in a position to decide where it's going to happen. They are told where the tournament is going to be held. 
But FIFA has human rights responsibilities. They are now under their own charters expected to do due diligence on the human rights situation of the place which could host this tournament. So going forward, what they didn't do in the past, they must do going forward, which is to ensure that any country that is bidding to host the World Cup must go through a assessment on their human rights record so that it's clear that this World Cup will not actually create further abuses or be built on abuses and that the World Cup can happen with the protection of all human rights. What's happened in Qatar happened because the FIFA authorities did not do its due diligence. There was nothing in there about human rights, particularly of migrant workers. They cared about the extreme heat for footballers and fans and looked at air cooling stadiums, but they didn't care about the many migrant workers who would toil in the same extreme heat to build for years the infrastructure for that World Cup. There's more news, interviews and analysis in the Evening Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.